2: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling accounts to
1: continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com
3: time now for the Brian Barrett show on EEI
2: how have you what have you learned is the best way for you to manage playing in the cold and the wind and whatever else it is, to be able to perform as best you can. Like Matt said, you can't bring a hand warmer out there. So, you know, what do you do? Yeah, well, I think the most important thing for me is, I don't know why I got bad circulation within my feet. My toes get really cold and they go numb a little bit. So it's keeping those suckers uh, as warm and as dry as possible, as well as the hands. Obviously, it's, that's a big emphasis for quarterbacks. You need your hands to throw. So um, keeping those extremities as warm as possible, so are you a toe warmer guy? Are you a three-layer sock guy? What is the plan? I'm not. I'm a one-layer sock guy, but I got to, like, we, we have the seated benches uh, or the heated benches, and they got the little foot warmers there. But sometimes when it's when it's super cold, uh, they don't, it doesn't feel like much. So I uh, got to get by the heaters.
1: Oh, my. Please do not lose to this guy. He's a great player. Nobody's disputing that. Josh Allen is a great player. Do not lose to this guy. Are you kidding me? Are you a two-layer sock guy? He's got problems with his circulation in the cold. I mean, come on. Can you imagine Brady answering questions like that? Yeah, well, I'm just worried about my feet in this game. Hey, put on the scuba suit, Josh. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. So a good thing is this. like, Can the Patriots, like in warm-ups, maybe bring out some water, throw it on Josh Allen's feet, do anything he can to get underneath that guy's skin? Bring some Gatorade out to the field. Maybe douse him at Gatorade. Put it on his feet before the game. I mean, try to get under him because...
2: Keeping those suckers uh, as warm and as dry as possible. (laughs) Keeping
1: those suckers warm and as dry as possible. Hey, here's some good news. This is tweeted out by the Gresham Keefe Twitter account. Investigative journalism here. Josh Allen, when the temperature is south of 32 degrees, 3 and 2. Okay, so the record's decent. But how about the numbers? Completing 50% of his passes, 166 passing yards. Not good. So Josh Allen, Wiggy's been saying this for weeks. He has not been good in the cold. The problem is his circulation sucks. He's got to keep those puppies warm. Okay, that's what Josh Allen needs to do. Uh, speaking of the ridiculous, I'm trying to come up. I'm trying to figure out if this is a prank, if this is a troll job, or if this is a serious thing. NBC Sports Boston's Twitter account tweeted this out today. If Mac Jones struggles early Saturday night in the frigid Buffalo conditions, should the Patriots let Brian Hoyer play a series or two? The options are yes, win at all costs, or no, are you crazy? 78% says no, are you crazy? Somehow 22% said win at all costs. Brian Hoyer? Guy sucks. Remember last year? Guy cost you scoring going into the halftime against Kansas City. What are we talking about here? Is Brian Hoyer an option on Saturday? I think this is a troll job. I think it is, but I don't know. It's been on there. It's still up there on their Twitter account. I think it's a troll job, but I don't know. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. The number. Let's get to Wayne in South Boston. Wayne, what's up, man?
4: What's up, my buddy?
1: What's going on, Barrett? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well, Wayne. It? I'm get yeah. I'm getting ready for Saturday.
4: I know, I'm I'm hearing these stupid things. All right, these are the three. The, I just want to put out the three things I think is going to win the game for us, all right? All right. So listen to me. Let me I get my you. three things out. All right, number one, we are going to have to blitz Josh, okay? I mm. don't care what anybody says. Not all the time, like I said, but at least maybe one or two times. Timely when blitzes. When the, you know what I mean? Uh, yes, uh, we're going to have to blitz him. And what we do is we blitz him, but we don't send everybody after him. This is the point I'm trying to make. We, we're we're going to, you know, what I'm saying is we're going to make him see something he thinks he sees, but we're going to, you know what I mean? But we're not going to do that is the point I'm trying to make. He's going to think we're mm. going to come all after him, and we step back and wait for him, you know what I mean? And we're going to have somebody sitting there waiting back for him. And then, because I noticed with Josh Allen, he likes to run, you know, he's a runner. So I say we spy on him. We put a spy on him. Always keep a spy on him because he loves to run. That's his, He loves running more than he loves throwing. I mean, can you, you, you know that, right? You can see it on the games. He loves to run.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it scares me when he gets outside the pocket there, Wayne.
4: Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So we keep him in the pocket as much as we can, but when he breaks the pocket, we have somebody watching him. You know what I mean? Sure. So he doesn't get like, you know, sixty yards or okay? maybe he gets like five yards and then he gets hit hard. That's another thing. As many times as we can hit him and the colds, it's gonna affect him. Do you understand what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah, and it's step on his cold. feet
1: because they're gonna be cold.
4: Step on them all, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, What's his name? Go over and give him a good – we'll have Trent Brown, the big boy. All right, so that's your first key. What are your two other keys? And my other two keys are with the defense. The defense is going to have to step up this game. And we need to make sure this game, because we played them twice already and we see what happens, you've got to make sure you lock down Stephon Diggs and the other guy, um, what's his name, the little white guy? um, Beasley. Beasley, Beasley, yeah, Beasley, and and there's one other. Well, who's the other guy? There's McKenzie, other the guy that really killed really him last time?
1: Or Dawson no, Knox? No, he
4: wasn't even. He came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Nobody even knew he existed. Like, he came out. No, there's another guy that they always go to. Um, Dawson Knox? Oh, what the? Knox, Knox, yeah, the kid Knox, him. He's the guy. You definitely got to keep an eye on him. So those three guys, we've got to keep eyes on them. You know what I mean? we got to okay. keep somebody on And what's them. the last one? you put... And the last one is special teams. Oh, yeah. We cannot You're right about give that. up any points on special no, teams.
1: I, yeah, I, look, Wayne, I'm with you, and I appreciate the call as always. I'm with you on that. This team is not good enough to overcome those issues. I don't know what's going on with Cam Accord. Like, this is a problem that's been going on all season. How do you have that situation with Lawrence Guy the other day? This is week 18. This team has had three punt blocks this season. Three punts blocked, I should say. No other team in the NFL is two. The Patriots have three. And the special teams... Cost them in the game against Miami, and it cost them in the game against Indianapolis. Right off the beginning of the game. I mean, this crap can't happen. Let's get to Pauly. He's on the couch. What's up, Pauly?
3: Hey, what do you say, Brad? Oh,
1: Pauly, what's um, up, man? So you migrated from the truck onto the couch. Yeah,
3: yeah. What's up? <laughs> I'm used <laughs> to you being in the truck. Baby, it's cold outside. I don't want to oh, be out there. You're alcohol. not kidding. That's for sure so cold today even the politicians have their hands in their own pockets but, um,
1: <laughs> that's a good one paul i may
3: reuse that yeah i'll copyright you though johnny, Car- johnny carson said it oh, one okay. night I i'll copyright you laugh, and him let me tell you <laughs> but um yeah the approach the, the approach to, to the game it's it's good it's, it's there's a few different things that that i like to see happen number one um I like to see Wilkerson in the lineup. That'll open things up in the offense a little bit. Give him another guy to throw to, another guy for the defense to have to worry about. It'll spread things out a little bit more for them, opening up that that, that uh, the field for them a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I like to see them go. They're going to need to. Okay, Buffalo's a good defense. They're smart. If you're going to dink and dunk all day, they're going to crash down on that stuff. They're going to get wise to it quickly, and they're going to smother. You, and they're going to choke you out. You're going to have to go go vertical early, the seam route um, uh, a couple of times anyway, and hopefully you have some success. So that will be in their heads right from the get-go. You know, know, that that is something that that,
1: that, a silver lining coming out of that game, that is something that Mac did last week actually particularly well, is he was throwing the ball down the field better. A couple of those throws he made to Hunter Henry, that was something to at least one thing you could take positive out of that game. He did look better throwing the ball down the field.
3: You He always throw the ball down. He's always been. Matt can make all the throws. I don't know what the you know what the stuff. No, I'm not saying he can't, Paulie. Enough. But I'm
1: saying they don't dig into yeah. it often enough.
3: Well, they're going to have to to uh, to to uh, try to take that to get them to back off a bit. Respect that. Put that in their minds early on. You really need to have a, a, some success, though. You know, like I say, with a seam route, maybe to John o. Smith, a, a, a double double move to uh, to Aguilar or Bourne. Um, you know, something like that, or, or, or you know, a double pump and a, and a post to Aguilar, You know, uh, you know, it, a pump fake and then and then a uh, go route to your fastest, most fleet-footed receiver, Aguilar, Something like that. I want to. I really want to uh, use. Uh, I want to get uh, Bolden and uh, thirty-seven to do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of running the ball between the tackles. What have you? You want to mix yeah, in Ramondi Stevenson in that in that group, oh. limitedly. Because you want him on a, you know, on a, um, I want to call it, you know, like a mobile uh, unit that's that's that you get the ball to uh, on the flank. We get the ball to him, and you, yeah, you get a couple of blockers out front, and that would be one tough play to stop. I think you can get you can gain a lot of yardage if you get the ball out in the open space yeah. to him fairly often, a fair amount of the time. And he's going to rumble for you. He, he can, he's a big body that can make guys miss. He's got great groove. He's got great um, jukeability, this kid. I just love the way he plays. He yeah. can run with the football and get those extra yards, power guys, power by guys. He's got all the tools in the toolbox. I get that, by I'd save I wouldn't be running him up, up, the, up to the gut, you know, too much. I'd save more of his uh, energy get him out into open space with blockers around him where they can do some real damage. But I think, like I said... Yeah, Paul, I pre- you know, yeah, appreciate
1: le- it. Appreciate the call, as always. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. I appreciate it. A lot of good points that Paulie made there. The one thing I'll say in terms of where I completely agree with him is in terms of the passing game, they've got to threaten the Bills down the field. And the other thing they have to do is they've got to get back to being the bully. Remember when the Patriots were a bully for the majority of the season? That's what they need to get back to doing, and that's why they need to be aggressive early because when the Patriots get a lead, that enables them to be the bully. You look at the Patriots this season. When they win games, they attempt, they run the ball 33.4 times a game. Okay? So they beat you up with that offensive line. They can get Trent Brown going downhill, David Andrews going downhill. They get all over you. You bring in the fullback, and then you have Damian Harris just running out the clock, right, with Jakob Johnson blocking for him. You can go old school and you can beat the crap out of them. But what you need to do is you need to be able to run late by throwing the ball early and getting that lead. The Patriots are so good when they get ahead of you. When they fall behind, they can't come back. That's the limitation of this team right now. They need to pound the football late in the game. So that means early in the game, that's when Mac Jones needs to throw the ball. See, the Patriots have been conservative early, and then they have to get aggressive late as of the last four games because you've been falling behind, do the opposite. Be aggressive early. Build up the confidence for Mac early on in the game. That way, if you need him to have a late drive, then he's going to be like, oh, yeah, I've already done that this game. That's what you need to do, not the opposite of what the Patriots are doing. Throw the ball early, pound it late. That's what you want to do because the Bills, one of the issues they've had defensively, they do not stop the run particularly well. They're not a great run-stopping team. They are unbelievable against the pass. So you gotta you gotta be able to make some hay early, throwing the ball, and then turn into the bully. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until minute. All right. So do you have an issue with the Patriots not digging into the RPOs, which Mac Jones was really good at, at the collegiate level? Would you be? What would you say if the Patriots lose on Saturday night, losing four or five? Would you be confident going into the offseason or would you be disappointed? What do you want to see against the Bills on Saturday night? Oh. And I will get into the dispute with Kendrick Perkins and Jason Tatum. I'm um, Team Tatum. I'll tell you why in just a little bit here on WEI. We are right back
3: to what you want to hear. More of Brian Barrett on EEI. Be ready to see the light. Because the prayer is ready for you to be back. I'm from the pit, not the palace. I'm kind of stylish. Lifestyle
1: lavish. a coupe no mileage. This is run it, run it, This is a rap it, song. It. I'm, I'm pit, He must be pissed off, Antonio. It, not pissed it, off, it. but... Brady went back onto the field the other day so he could get Gronk his million dollars. And Antonio Brown had an issue with Brady. Unreal. Guy did everything for Antonio Brown. He's pissed off with Brady. I mean, unbelievable. I still, that was so unbelievable. I still can't believe that happened. Dude took his shirt off, threw it into the stands, and left the field. Unreal. Uh, You know what I was thinking, too, by the way, here? We got, like, three TVs in the studio. One of them was on college basketball. Man, like, my interest in college basketball could not be lower. I remember growing up. Now, I grew up in the 90s, so the Big East was still the Big East in the 90s. Now, I know the 80s was the heyday when you had all those Georgetown teams with Ewing, and then you had Dikembe Mutombo, but then you get into the 90s. That was my era growing up. It was Ray Allen at UConn. Allen Iverson at Georgetown. He had John Wallace at Syracuse. And remember, that Syracuse team went all the way to the national title game the year that UMass lost to Kentucky, and they played Kentucky for the national championship. Now, Bayheim would later win in 03, and Syracuse sucks right now. But anyway, that's a slight digression. But college basketball, you knew all the players. You used to know all the teams. Like, remember that UConn team that won the national championship with Khalid El-Omin and Rip Hamilton? College basketball used to be awesome. Now it sucks. The product is horrible. Anyway, uh, sidetrack. I was talking about the Patriots, right? Were we talking about the
5: Patriots, Justin?
1: Okay, all right. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Fred in a car. Fred,
5: what's up, man? Hey, I wanted to talk about um, McDaniels running the offense this year. Sure. Obviously, nobody could could dispute he's one of the best in the game, but... I would dispute that. I don't think he's he's one of the best
1: in the game. All
5: right. I feel different. I don't know. Maybe I just like him a little more, but his use of his personnel this year has been terrible. By no way are Nelson Agler and Kendrick Bourne top-tier playmakers, and I'm not claiming them to be, but they are tier two wide receivers. Uh, both of them have proven in, in on other teams that they're able to stretch the field. They're not the fastest guys out there, but they were able to do it. He doesn't use them on the outside of the numbers ever. He's got two quality tight ends. That should be over the middle. John Smith should be his workhorse over the middle. Jacoby Myers. Yeah, but look, Fred, Fred, in in,
1: in McDaniel's defense of John Smith, I mean, he just hasn't taken to the offense. I I don't think that's a McDaniel's problem. I I think that's a John Smith problem.
5: Yeah. 100%. I mean, Jacoby Myers is probably the closest thing that we're ever going to get to Julian Edelman. You know what I mean? As far as those quick little slants making cuts, getting open. He's the only one that's doing that right now. You've got two dynamic backs, you know what I mean? And the RPO, you're 100% right, should be the workhorse of that offense, yeah. given the personnel that he's got on the field. Yeah, they and should dig into that doing. a lot
1: more. Um, to your point about Jacoby Myers, it, I, I'm with you, man. He's just it, That's not his game. He doesn't have that. Now, he's a good receiver. I'm not taking anything. He played really well uh, last week, the week before. Like, he's a really good player. But the problem with Jacoby Myers is, He doesn't uncover quickly like Edelman or like Welker does. He doesn't have that short, intermediate quickness, if you will. He's more of a long yeah, strider. 100%
5: right. yeah. So you look at all the personnel we have, he's the only one that could potentially... Yeah, no, I'm role, with you. I, right? I mean, you yeah, I mean?
1: He, He's the best for it, and Fred, that's why I look at this team long-term. If they are going to run their traditional offense that they've run for the majority of the McDaniels-Belichick era, they need to get that Edelman-Welker type. I mean, and they need... And look, the James White thing, obviously McDaniels can't control that, but that was a massive loss. Bolden's been fine filling in for... James White, but he's not James White. James White is one of the best pass-catching yeah. backs in the NFL. So those, uh, and Fred, I appreciate the call, those outlets that Tom Brady had for all these years. I mean, he always had that back, whether it be Kevin Falk, whether it be Danny Woodhead, whether it be Shane Vereen, and the latest and the best out of that group in my mind has been James White. Mac doesn't have that guy. Bolden's fine, but he's not on that level. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. And he doesn't have the guy that uncovers quickly, which Brady always had that guy, going back to the original dynasty with Troy Brown. And then you look at a guy like Wes Welker. I mean, the guy was incredible. And then you go to Julian Edelman, one of the most clutch players that we've ever seen in a Patriots uniform as well. So Mac is missing those two pieces to the traditional Patriots offense. And that's even more recent from my perspective that they should be digging into the RPO game. Let's get to Kelly and Amherst. Kelly, what's up, man?
0: Brian, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about that the other day, right? He doesn't have either one of the security blankets yeah. that Brady used to have. Well, you know, my, my thought on Mac, separate from Brady, is this. You know, they've been protecting him kind of all season, right? They haven't put him in a lot of positions to fail very often. Uh, they've done this, I believe, kind of to prevent him from embarrassing himself, like they're trying to protect his uh, psychological health. Something like that. You know, uh, Belichick is very protective of some of his younger guys. You know, you never wants guys to play that first year so much. It just ends up happening that way. Maybe it's a random uh, injury that pops up or whatever, right? But there's always some reason. While he tries to keep this guy's back, I think uh, he's been protecting Mac, whether it's a psychological thing or not. Certainly they haven't put Mac out there a ton. And I get that they don't want the team to lose games and they don't want him to make mistakes. But I do worry that the way they've been playing Mac is not putting him in a good position to win this
3: playoff game.
0: Like he's behind schedule, in other words, versus a a typical uh, rookie year QB. Uh, that's what I thought on Mac. Yeah, Kelly, hold that,
1: on. Uh, Kelly, hold on one sec. Yeah. Let me respond to that. I think you bring up a really interesting point, because if you think about it, I understand to what you're saying. That's what they're trying to do. They want to be conservative with Mac. They don't want to put too much on his plate. They want to. They don't want him to lose the game. But I think to what you're saying there... It's actually backfiring lately, right, because they're not being aggressive with him early on in the game, and it's actually hurting them later on in the game when they have to be one-dimensional, right? So they're actually digging themselves a hole when it comes to they're trying to protect the player, but they're not by the way that the games are going.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, almost if the team wasn't this good and they weren't even going to the playoffs, it would be better for kind of their plan, which is to kind of give him a, a year about of good experience over, like, two years. You know what I mean? Like, just not having him, in other words, give him what a normal QB would be doing in two years for attempts, have him do that over, you know, and for one year, have him do that over two years. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I do think that it's a little bit of a shame that he hasn't got a chance to cut loose that much, and so this is going to be a real, you know, uh, what do they say, uh, uh, trial by fire here for Mac in this playoff game. But if they lose this playoff game, to the question you guys were asking, what do I think about the season season, Dude, you either got a ring or you didn't. And I'm not saying this because I'm a uh, Patriots guy. I'm saying this in general. You know, every year you go out there with a chance to do something that people will be talking about for many years to come. If they don't win, that's going to be a big shame.
1: Yeah, Kelly, appreciate the phone call as always, man. And I would say especially if they lose to the Bills in the opening round after the way the season ended, it is going to feel like a disappointment because you felt like you were on the path to really something special this year. Could Mac be the first rookie quarterback to win a Super Bowl? And ever since that bye week, this has not been the same team. And I really do want to get into it. I hope we get further reporting on what exactly they were complaining about in the bye week. Like Mac saying they felt sorry for themselves. I don't get it because you had one day less. You got a great opportunity, 9-3, and three, number one seed in the AFC. And you're upset about the length of your bye week. I mean, Mac said after the game, he shouldn't have said it, but he did say that they had bad practices. They had bad practices because they're pissed off. They didn't have as much time off. Uh, that's a character flaw. Let's get to Alex in Braintree. Alex, what's up, man?
2: What's going on, Brian? Big fan of the show. First, want to give a uh, quick shout-out to my good, close, personal friend behind the glass there, Justin Turpin. Uh, we're proud of him from Braintree. at so. oh, nice. The brass that, uh, I hope the brass at EEI is tuning in these late nights because uh, guys are doing a great job. Him He's too, the best. I want to, uh, he, he is. Hardest working man in show business, without a doubt. <laughs> no but a doubt, I wanted man. To, uh I wanted to answer your question about, you know, expectations for this year and whether or not, you know, we as a Patriots nation, I guess, how corny should say that we're disappointed or we're happy or there's something to build on. First of all, this is a team going into this year that had Cam Newton as their starting quarterback. Uh, uh, for one, you know, that, that came and went, obviously. I don't know if there were real any expectations with him. Uh, this team being an 11-win team at the beginning of the year, for most people, 10 wins obviously will take. But you got to remember, this team started two and four with two wins against the Jets and the Texans. But on the other hand, too, Patriots are obviously uh, in those six games a field goal away from you know beating Tom Brady at their own place, and you know an extra cover safety guy away from stopping C.D. Lamb. Maybe, maybe not. A big hypothetical against the Cowboys, but. They've proven they can hang with the big teams in the beginning of the year, for one, and two, you know, six games in, you're two and four, and you're still in the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. I don't know how you could see this season as a disappointment whatsoever with yeah, lose well, it's I mean, it's Saturday Alex, night.
1: Alex, it's the way, and I appreciate the call. It's the way that it ended. If you lose four or five, and you mentioned, okay, you were competitive with the good teams early. You played Tampa tough. You played Dallas tough. I get all that, but then at the end of the season – Critical game against Indy, can't get it done. Critical game against Buffalo, can't get it done. Division on the line, can't get it done there. One seed on the line against Indy, can't get it done there. And then you play a Dolphins team at the end of the season where the Patriots pushed all their chips to the middle of the table in that game, and they said, hey, we need to win this game. Mac's going to play the whole game. Damian Harris is going to be in there. All the main guys, with the exception of Hightower, who was injured, and Duggar that was injured, we're playing all our guys. That's what Belichick said. We're playing all our guys. We're trying to win, and they still couldn't get it done. So... There hasn't been progress made, right? So, yeah, they start off two and four, then they go on the nice winning streak, but then it goes down again. So, heading into the off season, off season losing four or five, it's not going to feel good. Let's get to oh, here he is, David in Florida. He is back. I haven't heard from you in a while, David. What's up, man? You trying to trade Devers still or what? I missed you last week. I know, man. I'm sorry. I was on the. Uh, I was in the COVID protocols. Yeah, I'm glad you're all right now. What happened? Second go around with it. I wasn't really like I got sick for a day and a half, but nothing too bad. You know, uh, the first COVID I had, the original COVID was way worse than this one. I was sick for like a week with that one. But this one, not too bad. And I got all the stuff, man. I got the vaccines. I'm boosted. I still got it. Yeah. Oh, wow. I must not like you. (laughs) No, I think it does like me, David.
6: COVID likes my body. Uh, Glad you're doing all right now. Thanks, man. We missed you. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Now, I mean, with the with the game, uh, you know, I agree with you uh, shockingly that um I mean, they <laughs> they have they have to uh, control the scoreboard, meaning that they they don't necessarily need to. If they fall behind by more than two, ten points, they're in trouble. They're they're going to be in, in a lot of trouble. But uh, you know, interestingly, I think I wonder maybe if they win the coin toss. I mean, usually. If they win the coin toss, he always defers to the third quarter. I wonder maybe if he'll, if he'll take the take the uh, ball if, if they get the coin toss and see if they can put the offense out to score first. Yeah, David, I don't think you're crazy
1: on that. I think that may be a good idea, considering the defense has been really bad to start these games. They've given up a touchdown on six, in six of the 17 games on the first drive and the opening drive to the opposition. The Patriots' offense has been getting off to slow starts, so maybe try to give them a jolt of energy, if you will. I'm not against that at all.
6: Yeah, I think that might be a little uh, subtle twist, uh, and I also think that uh, what what's the weather supposed to be like? It's going what, to be cold. Going to be it's going, going
1: to be really cold. Single digits.
6: So, yeah, so that might be a good thing too, because I mean, Allen's. I mean, despite the fact that he plays in Buffalo, he's a California boy. Yeah, so and David, I, like I don't know if you weather. heard
1: earlier, he's averaging like he's completing fifty percent of his passes. And he's throwing for just 166 yards a game when it's freezing temperatures. So he has not been good in the cold. David, before we let you go there, I got to ask you a question. Uh-oh. Did you ever figure out the other song when it was me and Andy Hart? Remember you yeah, said?
6: Yeah, I told Andy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what was it? Uh, it was. It was um, what's the called, uh, Jump around. Oh, jump around. Okay, no, no, yeah. No, not, no, no, not jump around. It was, oop, there it is. I'm sorry. Oh, oop, there That's it is. That's the one I was thinking of. Oop, there yeah. it is. And what was the other uh, one? Oop. Uh, it was the na-na-na-na. The <laughs> yeah,
1: that one. All right. Hey, David, appreciate the call. Yeah, David called us during, over the holidays, like after, right before the new year, when Andy Hart and I were hosting Gresham Keefe, Justin, and we were talking about, Shine played a song that I said was, like, the song we came out to in high school, Till I Collapsed. Remember that song, Eminem? It probably came out before you were born. But so he played it, and we were talking about it, and David said two songs that you guys should play as pump-up songs. I was talking about how I don't like the Patriots, the crazy train. Do you like that? No, I don't like that one oh, at all. it's just—it's so dated. Like, I, do the players really get pumped up for that? Like, I, I don't I don't get why they come out to that song. But anyway— So we were talking about that, and I said, you know, Till I collapse, that's a song we came out to in high school. And David said you should take two songs from Jock Jams. He asked us if we remember Jock Jams. Do you know what Jock Jams is?
4: No, no, I don't. Jock
1: Jams was like this CD. I think it was put out like with ESPN. It was like, you can look it up. I think there's like five editions, and those are the two songs he picked from Jock Jams. Oop, there it is, I guess, was one of them. And he sang, (laughs) na-na-na-na, goodbye on the air. But anyway, I want to get to the Celtics for a second. Number 617-779-7937. All right, so there's been, as we all know, I'm not revealing anything new. There's been a lot of drama with the Celtics this season. And even when they win, there's drama. So the other night, this is the first game against Indiana where Jalen Brown has the triple-double. Kendrick Perkins, after that game, tweets out, Jalen Brown completely took over this game with his first triple-double of his career. Actually, no, sorry, this is the Knicks game. He says, Jalen Brown completely took over this game with his first triple-double of his career. Played a perfect game while Jason Tatum went 6 of 14 from the field. They got the win, though. Carry on. Okay, so then Tatum, after the game, like legitimately right after the game, was on his phone. He quote tweets Perk, and he says, Normalizing and uplifting one man without bringing another man down. JB played great. It's all right to leave it at that. Okay. So first things first with this. I understand that basically the popular position here is why does Jason Tatum care? Why is he firing back on Twitter? Well, the one thing I'd say is this is like the new age. This is what happens. People go on social media. Kevin Durant for years had burner accounts. Now he just doesn't care. He just tweets whatever he wants to tweet, right? But remember, he had burner accounts for years, and he got caught with a burner account. This is what guys do. They go on their phone, they go on social media, and they respond to people. And if people are going to say things about them on social media, quite frankly, I don't have an issue with them responding to it. I don't feel like it's taking away from Jason Tatum's play. I don't look at it as like, oh my God, he's so soft for responding to Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. So I don't really have an issue with Tatum responding to this to begin with. But the second thing I just don't understand, and somebody's going to need to explain this to me as it pertains to Perk. I understand this is a narrative here like, oh, can Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum really play together? I understand that's a narrative here. Although, quite frankly, I think it's a stupid narrative. When they're on the court together, they outscore their opponents by, they have a net rating of 5.1. So per 100 possessions, they outscore their opponents by 5.1. The Bulls are one of the best teams in the NBA. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are their two marquee players, if you will. They outscore their opponents per 100 possessions by 5.8. Brown and Tatum are at 5.1, and obviously DeRozan and Levine have much better teammates. So I don't think Jalen Brown and <laughs> Jason Tatum are the issues on this team. My one concern about Jalen, and I've said this before, is health. That's my one concern about Jalen long-term. So I understand like that's a conversation here locally. We continue to have it, right? You hear it on this station all the time. Do Jalen and Brown and Jason Tatum fit together? I think it's a stupid conversation. They, this team has much bigger problems. Like, I don't know, the rest of the roster, the head coach has not been particularly great and they've missed on a bunch of draft picks. Like, that's a bigger concern to me than Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I feel like those are – Jason Tatum is the least of your issues, and Jalen Brown is second after Jason Tatum. But nonetheless, even if you want to say, hey, that's a legitimate debate, I don't understand why Perk is putting this out there after that game against the Knicks. They absolutely crushed the Knicks that game. They won by, what, 20? And they were up 76-60 to after the third quarter. Tatum the previous night had gone off – or. Two nights ago, that Thursday night, he had gone off, so they didn't really play him a lot of minutes. Remember, Tatum leads the league in minutes per game. So they only played Tatum in that game 29 minutes. And he, it wasn't like he was 1-for-14 or 3-for-14. He was 6-for-14. That's not horrible. I mean, it's not great. It's 43%. But his true shooting percentage, because he got to the line four times to 60%, which is well above average. So it wasn't as if Tatum played a bad game or Tatum played poorly. And if you needed Tatum to go back out there in the fourth quarter late in the game and win it for you, he could have. But you didn't need him to because you were blowing them out, so he only played 29 minutes. Jalen played 35, six more than Tatum. And by the way, Tatum was a plus 10 when he was on the court. He was 3 of 8 from three-point territory, which is pretty good, 37.5%. So I just don't understand why Perk, after that game, wanted to point out that, well, Jalen Brown had a triple-double. Jason Tatum went 6 for 14 from the field. They got the win, though. Like, to say that Jason, T- Jason Tatum, or to indicate that it's still an issue, the Tatum-Brown relationship, or the Tatum-Brown relationship on the court, so to speak, not to say off the court. Not the, that's not what Perk's saying. But, like, even if you want to bring that discussion point up, why would you bring it up after this game? It just it doesn't feel like it's germane to the conversation. If you watch the game Saturday night, was that a moment that you say, I don't know if Brown and Tatum can play together? I like, I don't even understand why that's a discussion point after that game. I understand the bigger, broader conversation with it, but why after that game you bring it up? I don't understand it. felt like Perk was just trying to get attention on Twitter. All right, we'll get more into that in just a second here. Plus, one thing I'd like to see the Celtics dig into more, we'll get into that in just a couple minutes here. The number is 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you on WEI.
3: We're right back to it. This is Brian Barrett on EEI. These three words, can you get in busy? Whoa, It is Hitman.
1: All right, this is David in Florida's song. This is Jock Jams. You never heard of this, Justin?
2: No, never heard of it.
1: Can't believe you don't remember Jock Jams. So if you grew up in the '90s and you played sports, you had the Jock Jams soundtrack. Now none of this stuff was good, but this is everybody had to get the Jock Jams CD back in the day. All right, Brian Barrett, with you up until midnight. So that's a shout out to our guy David. David was asking a couple of weeks ago for that, so he gave it to you, David. Okay. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is a number with you up until midnight. So I do want to get into this for a second here. So I did some digging on like what's working for the Celtics this season because obviously there's been a lot of frustration. Although they've won two in a row, but if you look at the three man unit of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Robert Williams, they have a twelve point at twelve point eight net rating. So that means they're outscoring their opposition by twelve point eight points per one hundred possessions. Just to put that into context, no team in the NBA this season in terms of a whole team is outscoring their opponents by more than 9 points per 100 possessions. So 12.8, really good. And if you look at it, their offensive rating is 110.3, and their defensive rating is 97.5. Nobody in the NBA is better than 101.9 this season. So they have an elite defense, they have a really good offense, and of course the net rating is going to be great. Their effective field goal percentage, which accounts for three-pointers, obviously 55.3%. On the season, the only team with a better effective field goal percentage is the Utah Jazz. You look at other three-man units across the NBA. The Warriors, who are one of the best teams in the league, although they just lost to John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. They cannot beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Anyway, the Warriors' most used three-man unit is Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Andrew Wiggins. Now, of course, Clay Thompson's back. Maybe that changes. But they have an 11.1 net rating, that trio. As we mentioned, the Celtics group of Tatum, Brown, and Williams is at 12.8. That's better than Wiggins, Green, and Curry, which has been one of the best units in the NBA. So even when you just plug in a guy like Dennis Schroeder who can't shoot and Marcus Smart who can't shoot with one of these guys, that five-man unit with no shooting is a 10.4 net rating. You look at it with Smart and Grant Williams, so just one shooter, small sample size, very small sample size, but they have a net rating of 22.6. So you know that that trio works because you have a guy in Robert Williams that can roll to the basket and he puts pressure on the rim, that vertical spacing, if you will, and it allows Tatum and Brown to play in space with Robert Williams. Tatum came out after the game the other night and said, "There's been no bigger fan than Robert, or there's been no bigger fan of Robert Williams than me." He said he was on the bandwagon early, everybody was on the bandwagon, but Tatum was, and Tatum always talks about Robert Williams to his credit. So he wants him on the floor more. And the thing that I look at as it pertains to Tatum and Brown in particular is I'd like to see them dig into this more in terms of playing the pick-and-roll with Robert Williams. And that has to come from the coach, right? Because if you look at Tatum as a pick-and-roll ball handler, 49.1% effective field goal percentage. That's in the 60th percentile. But he's only using 20.8% of his possessions as the pick-and-roll ball handler. You look at Robert Williams, 676 field goal percentage as the roll man. He's averaging 1.29 points per possession as the role man. That's in the 77th percentile in the NBA. So he's really, really good as the role man. You look at Jalen Brown as the pick-and-roll ball handler. 51.9 effective field goal percentage. He's in the 66th percentile, 16.3% of his possessions. But if you look at Tatum last year compared to this year, he used 27.8% of his possessions as the pick-and-roll ball handler. So he's up 7% last year from where he is this year. And the effective field goal percentage was up as well at 51%. He was in the 72nd percentile. So Tatum last year was really good in the pick and roll. Jalen was as well. Jalen had an effective field goal percentage of 54%. That was in the 84th percentile. So Jalen and Tatum were both better in this last year when they ha- were doing it more often. Robert Williams is an elite role man. They need to dig into this more often. I don't get it. You should dig into the pick and roll. You look at it, for example, guys that get a lot of reps there. Donovan Mitchell, for example, one of the best pick-and-roll players in the entire NBA. He uses 48.3% of his possessions in the pick-and-roll. 55.1 effective field goal percentage, 94th percentile. He's one of the best, so they keep running it. Malcolm Brogdon, not an elite player, but he's really good in the pick-and-roll. 40.2% of his possessions are in the pick-and-roll. And and he shoots 52.5% in terms of his E field goal percentage, 91st percentile. So these guys are digging into it a lot. 40 percentile, 48, or I should say 40.2% of Brogdon's possessions, 48.3% of the possessions for Mitchell. With Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, those numbers are way down. Tatum, 20.8%. Jalen, 16.3%. So this is something they have to use more often. And the biggest thing I take away from this, just how good this three-man unit is of Williams, Brown, and Tatum, 12.8 net rating, is if you just had shooters around these guys... It'd just be such a better unit, right? If you had two shooters. Now, Grant Williams has been the best three-point shooter for the Celtics. And, hey, i got to give him credit. He's over 40%. He's taken more than three a game, so he can go in the corner and hit threes. If you just had another guy that could hit threes, it'd just make that unit way more potent. You think about it. Rollman and Robert Williams, two ball handlers that can create shots for themselves, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. What you need around that trio is shooting, and that's something the Celtics just don't have right now. And it's not as if that player is just out there in terms of somebody that you can go out and get that's going to be that guy that comes in and can be an incredible shooter for this team. That guy's not here. Now, I would have loved to see them keep Garrison Matthews. They didn't do that. So, I mean, it's a sunk cost at this particular point in time. Now, one guy that I'm interested in in terms of the trading deadline, not exactly a great shooter, but it's Jeremy Grant. He's coming back from an injury. And if you look at some of like the possible deals that have been thrown out there, it's not going to be a steep price. For example, the price for... Portland, they're not going to get it done anyway. But it's Anthony Simons and Robert Covington. You look at Dallas: Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber. The Lakers: Taylen Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn. The Knicks: Obi Top, and I get he was a lottery pick, but not a great player. Nerlens at a second round pick. So if I'm the Celtics, why wouldn't you throw a guy like Marcus Smart or Horford, one of those guys, and see if they like one of your young guys, Neesmith Smith or Langford? I mean, heck, the Pistons, they just took a shot on Bull Bull because they're rebuilding at this point. They're the second-worst team in the East by record. So you look at him this year, 24 games, 20 points a game. He's coming off an injury, a thumb injury. He's going to be fine, though. His numbers are not great from a percentage standpoint. But when he was more of a periphery guy, and he would be the third guy behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, of course, you look back to his final year in Denver, he shot 39% from three in a lesser role. And OKC, 39% from three in a lesser role. And the thing about Jeremy Grant is okay, you may not get that perfect fit as a great shooter around Tatum and Brown, but what you do get is you enhance a strength. He's an elite defensive player. You go back to remember, he drew the matchup of Kawhi when Denver went to the conference finals. They beat the Clippers in the previous series. And in that series, remember, Kawhi was not great in that game six, he was six for 22. 27-year-old, so he's at least in the age range of Tatum, who's 23, and Brown, who's 25. So you think about matching up another elite wing, because remember, the Celtics are really short on the wing line. After Tatum and Brown, they don't have a lot of wings. They really don't. Richardson's a two-guard. They don't have a lot of guys that can play three-slash-four. He would be the perfect fit to come in and muck things up from a defensive perspective, hit open three-pointers, and actually take some pressure off Tatum and Brown defensively where he can actually check the opposition's best player on the wing at times as well. So that's a guy considering the price is not going to be steep. At this point, why not give your two best players another guy that can actually get his own offense and plays really good defense. All right, thanks to Justin for producing. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well.